Welcome everybody. My name is Alexander Kreb. I am the Custom Advisory Lead for SAP S4HANA and you are listening to the SAP Experts Podcast. Today we have two guests in this episode who share their position as co-head Solution Management, Accounting and Central Finance, Mrs. Cornelia Meyer and Mrs. Katharina Reichert and we are talking about intelligent closing. I was interested in this topic for two reasons. First, when you're looking for a process that has really involved in its possibilities and outcome due to the benefits of digitalization, financial close is definitely an area you should take a look at. Second, insights is one of those capabilities that helps your enterprise gain resilience and win in the recovery and is one part of the puzzle that really can make a difference in these special times. So without further ado, let's do the closing intelligently and welcome Connie and Katerina here at the SAP Experts Podcast. Hello Connie, hello Katerina. Hi Alexander. Hi Alex. I want to start with maybe your business cards because when looking at them you two have the same title on it. You both are, if I tell correctly, Co-head Solution Management, accounting and, accounting and Central Finance. And in the last month, you could get for several reasons the impression that co-management is a constellation that in some cases does not really work out. So my first question to you is, what do you do better than others? What do we do better than others? We share really our work. So um, maybe I start with a quick introduction of Myself. My name is Connie Meyer. I'm working since SAP for SAP since 10 years. And in the last years, I'm a happy mom of um, two kids. And during that time, I started to work on part-time. And if you work part-time, you always have to balance between work and family. And it's quite difficult because you cannot be always on the job. And For me, it was really challenging to say no to some meetings in the time where I had to pick up the kids and so on. And that's why I thought about um, a model, which does it make easier for me to combine um, the job and the family because I really love both and I do not want um, to decide for one of the two. Naturally. And that's why I opened my mind um, for the um, co-leadership approach But it is really difficult um, to find someone with whom you could imagine to share your job because for me, it's um, really similar to the family. You really have to trust each other. You really have to live with the decisions the other person has taken. This is really important. It's like if my, if my husband tells the kids, yes, you can do, I yeah. would never say no, <laughs> <laughs> not in front of the kids. Exactly. <laughs> And this is the same also in our job. If um, Katerina makes a decision, it's our decision. It's not her. It's always our decision. Then you have to accept it. Yeah, I have to accept it. And that's why really um, less colleagues in my close environment um, came into my mind. And um, Katerina and me, we were already working together in the past. Not that close for sure like now. 
but um, we knew each other. We had um, already joined meetings together and had some tasks together. And that's why I thought, yeah, maybe Katarina could be a person with whom I could um, imagine to share the job. And how did, did you set up this co-management? Because of course, when you, when you're parents and you have kids, I'm in the same situation, then you make of course <laughs> yourself like, um, you, you think about, and you talk about like, how do you want to be? What, what's like something like a code of conduct. If you manage the, in the end to, to do it or not in the situation, then yeah. it's a different thing. But did you do something like yourself? Like you said, like, okay, before we start this, co-management setup we sit together and talk about like what are our rules between each other absolutely Alex this is Katarina let me um, also jump in and introduce myself I've been with SAP for about 17 years similar to Connie um, I have two children at home similar to Connie um, I'm interested in having challenging interesting work and at the same time being there for my family and we definitely sat together. Um, it's very important that you align not only on um, your approach to work and how you're going to share the hours and organize overlapping time so that you can discuss things in detail. It's also important that you share the same values. And I think um, that's something where Connie and I are very well aligned. Um, we're both uh, very detail oriented. I think that's really important to co-leadership success. I don't think it works if one person is a free spirit and the other is an administrator or a task manager, because then you really do end up in the good cop, bad cop uh, situation. It's like in the odd couple. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's that's not the, something that either of us wanted. So um, I would say reserving enough time in our calendars for close alignment and discussion. And then like Connie said, trusting each other to make good decisions that we can accept from the other. Did you have to pitch this idea to your, ex, uh, to your executive management? Because um, when you decide this for you both, that could be fine. But of course, like you need superiors to agree to that. Was that necessary or what is, what, uh, did they immediately jump on that idea? For sure, we had to pitch um, this idea to our management because it was completely something new yeah. um, for um, our manager. Um, for sure, at SAP, we already had, I think, 10 to 12 um, co-leadership couples. But um, in the department where both of us are working now, no one was sharing a job before. And the good thing was our manager knew both of us. So um, he could also trust that it could work because um, he knows um, and he knew our characters and so on. And he was um, quite fast convinced that this could be a real benefit. And also looking at our history, um, for him, it was a, a quick win, so to say, to have both of us on the job because Katarina was already in the solution management before. She knew all the processes in solution management and also the network and so on, which was really an advantage for me to have her next to me because um, she could explain me a lot. And for my history, I was working before in our internal development organization and before this in our internal IT department. And um, out of this work, I also had a network which um, we can now use um, to benefit during our daily work. In solution management, we really um, spread across uh, the internal SAP view as well as the external market customer and partner view. And I think um, from that perspective, we are good complements. So when 
somebody listens to us and wants to get in contact with you to maybe learn more to maybe because maybe he has some ideas or feedback whom of you both shall this person contact is it does it does it matter or is it something like a process between you like who's the first phase of contact for that so certainly um they should contact us both and then we sort it out and that's okay. also something that our manager had to learn Uh, that we didn't want him to send specific tasks to one or the other, but instead he should send them to both of us and we need to sort it out. Yeah, because uh, I think it may have been an idea to send it to you both isolated with the hope of getting it done or having it something of a higher priority. But I think like you said, in that case, you do not have just a process for you, but you have this a certain process for your ecosystem also. Like we are doing this job um, as a combination. So the rules for working with us is as follows. Exactly. And on our email signature that we have at the bottom of all of our emails are both of our names. So it's clear that even if it comes out of my inbox, um, it's really something that Connie and I together have, have decided or are pushing forward. And by the way, we do not have this complicated rule work that we sit mm -hmm. together and discuss who is answering which email. It's more um, self-explaining. So if both of us get the email and, for example, on Monday morning, um, it's my working time, then I answer the email and that's quite easy. So, perfect. Very interesting. To go into the topic that you actually do, um, We want to talk today about the topic or a topic where I expect myself to learn a lot because I'm yeah, coming more or less from the um, logistic background. Still, what you are doing and the topic that you are um, is for everybody really interesting and does matter because we are talking today about the modern way of closing, of continuous closing. And... When you remember in episode 41, when I talk about like the capabilities layer as a superior layer to talk about benefits of a next-gen digital ERP like S4HANA, um, this thing will definitely pop out for many as an interesting part. Because advanced closing, and you correct me if I'm wrong with that, is in my opinion, I, one of these capabilities which has received in a certain way a renewed focus of attention. Because, of course, the COVID crisis is different, for example, than the financial crisis of 2008 or like the Fukushima crisis in 2000, uh, 2011, I think it was. But again, in turnout, that enterprises who have certain abilities and capabilities are in a better position of resilience and faster in the recovery. And um, we always talk about the values of insights in crisis situations. But um, to talk or to start off with, let's say, the scenarios we've seen in the past, like where we are coming from, um, we're not really talking as close of something which generated something of a continuous insight. Am I correct? So I certainly think it's the case that um, the finance teams have gone through a ton of crises, right? Um, yeah. 2008 really was um, a liquidity crisis and brought new perspectives in terms of judging bank risk. Mm -hmm. And people really had another very close look at how they're managing their bank accounts. And we saw a really a lot of interest in, in cash management and mm -hmm. bank management and risk analysis. Um, what I see as being different now is that really the entire finance organization and indeed the entire organization 
is in a completely different setup. Um, people, you know, overnight were sent home. Um, people who have never had a laptop all of a sudden were told, here's your laptop, here's your smartphone. Uh, this is a VPN, figure out what to do. We need to keep mm -hmm. our business running. And for customers, for companies that were further along in their path towards transformation and digitalization, they had some, some key advantages, definitely. Um, concerning like where we come from, like if we would have a crisis like this, maybe like 10, 15, 20 years ago, um, I think of course, organizations working with closing would have also come out of it differently than they do today. Can you give us something of an, let's say, overview where your topic comes from? Like what are the origins? Where do they come from? Probably from a, let's say, paper-based process. Um, how, how did it evolve in the last decades? I just thinking when you say um, paper-based, I just remember my times as an accountant 10, 15 years ago. If we would have such um, crisis like this year, mm -hmm. 15 years ago, and my uh, manager would have told me, Connie, you need, um, you need to work from home now. Mm -hmm. I think I would have needed to rent a transporter to bring all the paper home. Because imagine it was like when we had our regular um, alignment cycles every quarter, um, I was responsible for a specific topic and I prepared this topic and partly in SAP, they did not really like SAP, but uh, mainly in um, lots of Excel um, sheets. And then you really had to print out the Excel sheets and you had a stack of paper You went into the meeting room, there were 10 people, so you had it to print it 10 times. Everyone got a stack of paper, and then you discussed the numbers, and then you had a pencil, and then you corrected on the paper, which was yours then. And then you went back to your computer, and then you entered it again into the Excel sheet, and then you noticed, so, oh, I cannot read my own comments there. Maybe mm -hmm. I have to double check again. And then again, oh, please, my colleagues, can we have a short meeting again? There is something which I did not really pick up correctly. And I just want to have some questions for clarification. So all people back with their paper into the meeting room, discuss, discuss, discuss. Ah, yeah, okay, this is the number I need. And then go home and bring it into the Excel sheet and then consolidate it into the next process. This would be so a, a crisis like we have this year would be the killer for these processes in our former times. So is this something what you experienced back then, something which is really completely something now in the past or are we or do we see companies still working like that? I would say it's a fortune we have a mixture. Mm -hmm. Also, if I talk with my old colleagues and the old company I was working for, they also have to improve the processes. This is not mm -hmm. completely um, paper-based, but I think there is still a generation of people, also of um, great leaders in other companies, who really only trust the paper. <laughs> and they really need um, to see it in a written and in a printed format. Specific to the topic of the close, I mean, most companies do at least a quarterly and an annual close. Some companies also try to do a monthly close. And 15 years ago, um, usually the, the activity list for those critical four, five, eight days at the end of the period were kept on a whiteboard. And um, 
a whiteboard is only useful to people who have visible access to the whiteboard. Yeah. Um, and, you know, something that's on my whiteboard in my home office is completely not accessible to somebody else in a different home office. And, and there, Alex, I think um, while some companies have left their whiteboard days behind, I do see when I visit uh, companies around the world and shared service organizations, I still see a lot of whiteboards. So I think there's still room for improvement. When I, of course, like I'm an absolute outsider to this topic. Um, so I'm at max can talk about it with merely half knowledge. But what I, let's say, I am aware of or what I can can talk about is a friend of mine who is, for example, working at a major company being responsible for closing. And basically his job is what he says, like, I have to bring in the end of each quarter, all the, say, the information together, which are completely separated and dispersed in simple and separate areas of the company because we have, like, different um, departments. We have, like, uh, different companies in this group. I have to bring it together. I have to consolidate it so my, um, my bosses know where the company is at that given moment. So, like, we are running three months more or less in fog and then we get like this on step on this moment inside like what our situation is just to continue like for the next three months to work like that is this something which is still like describing the way many companies in this area is working unfortunately yeah i think um you're your friend is in a pretty common situation um, that they're only really getting a point in time insight. And you can imagine what it's like right now for business leaders in this really volatile environment um, to only get information of where they stand once every three months. That's a real challenge. Um, we do have you know, capabilities that can support uh, a more continuous view into where you stand in the business. And that's is what we call continuous closing, right? So we can, for example, use information earlier in the process and predict perhaps what revenues will be based on sales orders. Now these sales orders are not, this is a little accounting technical information, but these sales orders are not really accounting relevant when they're just sales orders, right? We don't recognize the revenue until we actually bill um, but it gives us an information about what revenue is coming, maybe in 90 days. So by using information available to us in our S4 environment about logistical processes, we can create or simulate or predict financial accounting information that gives managers an earlier view of where they stand in certain key areas like revenue. So there, there are some possibilities that we have today. And if you look into the past, um, for sure, um, there have been routines and companies um, to also gain such kind of information, but not with this, um, I would say, granularity. Because normally, if you would like um, to learn about um, what is the um, expected revenue, and you cannot look on the sales orders, which you already have in the system, you would ask um, the history. And you would um, make a prediction based on history data. But now, if you look at our situation where um, the world was changing during three days, 
um, the history was not explaining the future. And it's much more reliable than um, to really look on data which you have, which is current and which you have in your system. And it's easier um, to predict the future out of this data also in um, unexpected situations. So to just tell you what in my mind is happening at the moment, um, mm -hmm. because I'm always... I'm always trying to make simple pictures out, out of the information that I get. And it quite often helps like when you talk with customers to um, bring them to a topic which they are not really aware of. So basically, we used to work in a way like, for example, we were supposed to step into a car and make a journey, make a travel, but we, you were not able to have your eyes open for the whole time and look forward but you were just able to open your eyes for a short, short moment periodically while driving. And in that moment, you did not even look forward so you could see what is coming up to you, but you look, for example, at left or right. You make it sound very dangerous, but in yeah, some I, I, senses... To, 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 to be honest, yeah, it, 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 it sounds dangerous. Yeah, When you are, like, you are supposed to, to steer your company and in the past, all the information you got for it is like this snapshot where you were at exactly that moment. And based to, on this, you're supposed to make your decisions. I mean, to be fair, right? Business planning um, is basically the roadmap that, a, that the driver of the car has. So at the beginning mm -hmm. of the year, they did have some, some goals mm -hmm. um, that they would also incorporate uh, when they were trying to steer their business. But you're right, in terms of actual data, it was all backwards looking. Yeah. Yep. So what, what, what we are doing, obviously, is to enable the driver to have his eyes open more often and look to the front. Yeah, we have the kind of navigation system of the car. Mm -hmm. And we have um, real-time alerting in. <laughs> so this is how you could imagine. If there's a traffic jam one hour mm -hmm. ahead of you, mm -hmm. you hopefully would see it. So when we bring in now this, um, let's say, the support by software, by applications to um, support financial close, to make it easier, to make it more frequent and to make it more forward looking, what kind of dimensions are we talking about? What kind of key aspects? So I think one important aspect is standardization, right? Everybody needs to know what the process looks like, who's responsible for what across locations. Um, the only way we can bring software support into a process is in, in a standardized way. And if the process is standardized, um, it means that there are also going to be fewer errors and it's going to be easier to audit. Absolutely. I think standardization is a key point. Absolutely. And additionally to standardization, I also see a second aspect, which is automation. Automation is really important that um, you can really take, um, yeah, how to say, the boring tasks, which every accountant does not like to do in a repetitive way every month or every quarter, um, out of his um, work and um, really to automate this task and um, to bring the focus on the um, of the accountants back and really to a more strategic work to um, maybe review these numbers if they have been calculated correctly and so on. I think this is also a key aspect. And um, if 
we have um, automated processes in the financial closing processes, the big advantage is also that you take um, the critical tasks out of the critical path. This means that, um, for example, every accountant would remember after um, the quarter and close, which happened just some days ago, um, that he's always under pressure. You know, on day one, you have to finish that. You know, on day two, you have to finish asset accounting evaluation, whatever. And having this um, automated um, already during the period, it gives you much more freedom at the end of the quarter to really concentrate um, on tasks um, which are crucial um, to evaluate your legal close or to steer your business. Sure. One final point that I'd like to bring up is really the topic of virtualization, right? This is something that we were forced into in okay. March and April, but I really think it's going to stick around, right? Getting rid of that whiteboard that only you can see if you're in the shared service center and instead moving to um, an electronic shared whiteboard or dashboard, um, moving away from your binders that Connie mentioned full of Excel print, <laughs> printouts and, and sticky notes telling me, oh, if I've got a late revenue posting, I need to call Steve in Miami, getting rid of all of that stuff and instead putting it into standard software processes. Um, I think the advantage, especially for large global companies that have a lot of locations, for them it is um, really important to have that end-to-end -end global oversight in the process. And I think that's what the virtualization, um, giving everybody access to the transactions and the status monitoring of the close, regardless of where they are in the office or at home, I think that's going to be really important because even if some companies are coming back into the office, you never know when there's going to be um, a flare up or an issue when we get sent back to our home offices or, you know, as school children. Uh, might need to be taken care of. And then certain accountants will be sent home. And with a virtualization approach, uh, we can make sure that these business critical tasks can still get done. Um, to make a short sidestep here at that point, because um, based on what you, you've told, some things come in my mind, what we tell basically everybody who is interested in S4. He gets like his presentations and the technical groundwork we tell him about what, um, let's say, HANA and the digital core is all about. And one element, of course, in it is the data model, which means like you do not have those aggregate tables anymore, which leads, of course, in a consequence to the universal journal, like where we have the general ledger in it, management accounting, asset accounting, and so on. Is this some of the elements where you say like this is a absolutely necessary basis for what we do so that you can do something of let's say a more intelligent close just while having s4 while having this kind of let's say technology as a basis or would i be able to accomplish what you outlined as a let's say key aspect of a better close also with legacy technology by staying on ecc This is absolutely the baseline for um, the entire story around continuous close. A lot of customers in the past, they asked me, oh, um, Connie, I want to talk about automation. What do you have in machine learning? Automation is not only about machine learning. If we talk about automation, 
from my point of view, we need to talk about three different aspects. The first aspect is you need to analyze your business architecture. And this is absolutely what you were saying. You really need um, to look into your system, into your processes and simplify your data structure. And this is absolutely what SAP did um, with the approach of S4HANA and finance. So we looked at the tables we have there were a lot of tables which are with the power of HANA not really necessary anymore because um, in the past they were needed um, to get a better performance into the system to aggregate data and then later work with the aggregated data yeah. but um, now we have a really powerful database and we have a powerful system which when which can work with all the detailed data and the big advantage for example if we look at the asset accounting example is that in the past um, you had all the asset accounting numbers so I don't know asset number one with 500 euros and asset number two with 300 um, euros um, in just in the asset accounting tables. And then um, you had to transfer to the general ledger where you just transferred 800, for example, out of assets and no one understood just looking into the general ledger where it came from. And with the power now of S4HANA, we can have all this detailed information as the baseline in our original um, S4HANA um, big super table. And if you then run a report on our super table, you have the possibility to drill down in any dimension you would need for your reporting. So this is really the first very important aspect if we talk about automation. The second aspect is um, the classic automation of business processes. Let me take the example for example, um, for, of IFRS evaluations. You could do this in an Excel sheet and then bring in the number into your SAP system. This is how a lot of customers would do this. But um, you could also do this um, already with SAP S4HANA. There are solutions, for example, for revenue recognition um, regarding IFRS 15. There are There is a solution for lease accounting for IFRS 16 and so on. So also the classic business process automation is the second important aspect when we look in autom on automation. And then if we have checked our architecture, if we have simplified our data model, if we have um, decided for classic business process automation, then we can enhance the rest with um, really intelligent technologies. Then machine learning, robotics, and all these nice buzzwords flowing around, then they come into the game and they give us the last mile of automation in our system. Yeah, I think especially the architectural point is super important because a lot of financial closing task lists were really um, inflated by a large number of reconciliation tasks. And those are completely eliminated in the Universal Journal. I think that's a super okay. powerful message. And because the Universal Journal has all of the management accounting dimensions, um, you know, we can do really, we can think about concepts that are really interesting, like having a financial close by profit center. I think there's um, a lot of flexibility out there that the Universal Journal is going to bring. What is about this myth that when you have a Universal Journal, a close in a certain way is nothing so much more, of course it is more, but it's nothing so much more than a snapshot. That's something what you hear like from, from many sides when they say, I have a Universal Close, I have everything together now. So when I do a snapshot, this is some kind of closing already. Do you agree with that? Because I think this is a little bit oversimplified in certain aspects. 
Yeah, I mean, I think there are always going to be some period end activities that have to be done, right? Um, accruals, for example, um, you have to reflect in your accounting that you know you have um, upcoming insurance contracts, for example, that extend over the whole year and you have to allot the right apportion to this particular month. So we're always going to have some things that need to be done at period end, but we're certainly looking at machine learning. Um, and we have really talented data scientists also working on um, evaluating how we can make at least those processes at least as easy as possible. And in the real world, you do not have only one S4HANA super system. Normally you have a lot of <laughs> different systems in your companies and maybe yeah. they are not all that clever like our S4HANA finance system. So you still have to wait for data out of other systems, out of other processes, which you might get only once a month. For example, if you have material evaluations in other systems, which can only support um, the period and um, evaluation, then you still have to wait for these numbers. So I guess we just, <laughs> we, we just need to convince all of our customers to move to a single S for HANA instance. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so jumping on that, when we then talk about a soft close, what is actually happening then? What is a soft close? So a soft close would give your business leaders the information they need to be able to tell you exactly where the business is, not at period end, but today. So um, by using certain assumptions, um, by using predictions, by using additional logistic information to come up with um, information that's not valid from a legal perspective necessarily, but it definitely gives the management team important steering information. So, for, to, so, sorry to interrupt you, but for, because this is something I'm quite heavily interested in because I have my customers saying like, I want these new technologies to bring me now, especially my situation, a benefit or, and something like a soft close could lead for, to, to let's say a situation where you can send this kind of information, let's say at the end of a shorter period than it used to be, where, where it was maybe a quarter, it can maybe like a month or maybe even a week. I'm very optimistic probably now. You could send it like to your um, board so they could have something of a short-term um, steering relevant insight. Is this something of a use case where you say like we are already there or is this something what you, where, what you would see more as something as a vision for the future? I would like to step one step back. Okay. Because um, I, every accountant like I in the past and lots of our listeners hopefully would remember this moment when you plan to leave the office on Friday afternoon preparing for the weekend and then someone opens your door and says, We have an ad hoc request from the supervisory board. They want to know where we stand, what our numbers are now. Mm -hmm. And for the numbers you don't already have in the system, you have to do this and this assumption. And then you have to bring this somehow in the Excel sheet and crumble the numbers there. And then you go and back to your managers, present the results. And then he's saying, mm, maybe not this assumption. This looks not so good. We take another assumption and then you do it again. And then it's Friday late night and um, you can go home. 
what we already have at SAP is um, we have um, a digital boardroom dashboard where um, the managers could already work with um, real data. They could um, see this um, so-called um, soft close numbers um, already directly in the tool and they can work with these numbers. And the good thing about our um, data structure and our prediction approach, Katarina explained um, some minutes ago, is that um, if you do um, this ad hoc look into your numbers, um, you have actuals, depending on how far you are in the period, but um, you have already actuals for a dedicated um, amount of days. And for the outstanding part, you could might work with prediction data. In the happy situation, you have um, the prediction based on real-time values from your um, predecessor processes like in the sales order example, you could already work with these numbers. And um, as a third aspect, if you do not have actuals or prediction numbers, then you could enhance this reporting then with your plan numbers. And this is how it works already today. And I think this is a huge opportunity to bring um, this data structure for actuals, prediction values, and plan data together into one report and to make it also accessible for the super management um, via uh, yeah, electronic platform, to say so. So you don't need to bring it into PowerPoint point and then and present it on PowerPoint and then they have a question which you have yeah. not prepared on PowerPoint, you can really say, okay, look in this um, digital boardroom and there you can find the numbers. And if they want to drill down into something which came shortly to their mind, then they have the ability to. And this really makes your Friday more relaxing and this really makes it more relaxing for um, the supervisory board to discuss about certain things and to just also follow the flow which comes out of the discussion and not follow a structure which had been prepared in PowerPoint ahead of meeting. I once was told the story how the digital boardroom um, was more or less, the idea came up because Hasso had, Hasso Platner, our legendary founder, had the complaint in one of his meetings that he was still shown PowerPoints. He said, like, why do you guys show me PowerPoints? I do not want to see any PowerPoint slide. We have HANA. We should be able to see this, see this on the fly. And that's like where the idea of a intelligent or let's say a digital boardroom came up. I'm not really sure how much there is truth would, and how much myth, but I like the story so much um, that I, of course, uh, tell it to myself at least all the time. Um, what's, what's your opinion about that? I definitely think it is a realistic story. Um, digital boardrooms give you really the, the possibility, as Connie said, to, to let the meeting flow as it will. Uh, you can slice and dice on the fly and because all of the underlying data is from the universal journal, not based on aggregates. You can drill down from you know the highest level group numbers to the lowest level of detail. You know if you see that there's um, a revenue number, you can go all the way down, not just to the customer driving that revenue number, but also the individual software sales. It's pretty incredible, and it definitely showcases the the power of Hana. And what is really really beneficial in um such kind of um, these discussions is that if you then have um, the idea about what would happen if we increase the sales force in the North America market by 10%, then you could really um, simulate um, how this would influence the other numbers ad hoc. 
So having been told now all these kinds of advantages, then of course the answer of the, the next question to these kinds of answers is like, how do we get there? And I'm not talking just about the, let's say steps, but we have most of the times like customers who are like in two, two different situations. You have the customers who are not yet on S4 HANA, like who are interested in it and maybe in something like a, of, a, of a greenfield situation where they really try to dig deep into the benefits like a solution or like a capability of this can happen to them. And of course, want to judge like how much of a, let's say, effort is it or how would I become something of an, let's say, excellent company in that area. On the other hand, we have these kinds of customers who are maybe more in, let's say, a conversion or happen to be in a conversion project. So they did not really care so much in the beginning about like the benefits because our first task is something of a bringing our old processes in, onto the new platform and then they look for the benefits. So they are already on S4 and they of course think about like, what kind of an effort do I have to put into that aspect to leverage for me? So the question of course is like, how disruptive is it for an organization and how much effort to become that what we discussed in the last minutes? I would like to pick up the example of driving a car again. Okay. Because we had a similar discussion um, this week with some colleagues. So if you drive a car and you have an accident every three months because of your dedicated behavior on the street. I'm sure there are lots of people. <laughs> <laughs> and you just get a new car, it might not change. Because if you not change your behavior, you will continue to have an accident yeah. always from time mm -hmm. to time. So this means um, if you just change your software system without touching your business processes, you might have the same effect. For sure, it might be you have some more assistance and the number of accidents will decrease, but at the end, it will not be really perfectly transformed. And this means, if we um, go back to our software <laughs> question, um, there are different ways um, to move to S4HANA for finance, for sure. And you can decide if you want to start with the technical conversion and look at the business processes afterwards, or you turn it around and make up your thoughts about um, business transformation first and define your new business processes and then set up the system. Both is possible, but in both cases, you have to look on both aspects, on the software and on the business transformation. One thing that I'm seeing, Connie, is when I talk to customers, you know, there's a lot of market uncertainty right now. So um, a lot of customers who are thinking about greenfield approaches are thinking about cloud because it does change their capital investment into operational expenses. It um, means that they have less of their own um, IT department focused on the implementation. So that's, that's one trend that I'm seeing. Another trend is that um, teams just are really stretched right now. There's still a lot of stress. Um, people are dealing with children that are home or they're taking care of um, their elderly relatives. And so um, it's important that uh, we do regular um, lessons learned sessions um, in those teams and identify what are small quick wins that can be achieved. You know, you don't necessarily have to, 
you know, eat the whole elephant at once, um, but identify little pieces in your process that you can improve either by adding automation um, or by uh, taking a slightly different virtualization approach. Um, and you know, there, there are incremental steps that you can take as well, um, even in this high stress environment. What kind of exams do we have for, let's say, those kinds of low-hanging fruits? Because um, I assume like something like a digital boardroom, this is not something you probably see as a short-term win, which takes, a, let's say, a considerable amount um, of, of work, of course, to put into. Because I heard like from Luka Mukic, our board member, um, that they said like, um, of course, even us, we had to put some effort in it that it yeah. looks like that and we can mm -hmm. work with it like that. It does not come like a switch on. You have to put some artificial intelligence in it. So it can be a very good vision. Like where do you want to develop into? But let, what are, let's say, the when you want to bring a customer or interest a customer into this topic, what are, let's say, the these kinds of easy bits that you can advise him to probably start up with, like which bring something of a quick win to his users, maybe something which is more or less out of the box and, and do not mean a lot of implementation effort. What what yeah. kind of benefits do I have in that way? Sure. Um, for example, we have a cloud solution which orchestrates the financial close. And for that, it doesn't matter what your um, what your accounting system release is. You could have an ECC system or you can have an S4 HANA system. But what it would do is it would take that uh, that real whiteboard and make you know a virtualized dashboard with task lists and workflow uh, for all of the accountants spread around the world that are involved in the close. Um, we deliver for the Esfahana releases best practice content, so creating that standardized task list based approach to doing the entity close is something that could be set up relatively quickly um, because it's cloud based because there's content and because um, it's basically agnostic to the backend ERP system release. So that's one example of how you can introduce a tool that makes that brings virtualization and automation. Um, a similar approach is our group reporting solution, which is also running on um, S4HANA Cloud, um, which you could also um, do as a standalone implementation and connect um, with other source systems. So there is a huge number of opportunities. And the good thing is every customer has his own system, has his own restrictions, has his own view on the current situation. And we as SAP, we support um, multiple different approaches. And there is not um, this only um, best answer. There is really um, the situation that we always need at the dedicated situation, which we find on the customer side. And then we decide together with the customer what is his best approach to come to the new world. Yeah, certainly some of the companies that have um, gotten on the digitalization train a little earlier have had some benefits. Um, there's a car manufacturer here in Germany that just digitalized their um, supplier invoice payment process. Um, so if you'd looked at the process in December, um, if a supplier sends an invoice, um, the payment approvals were all done manually and paper-based. And then um, the AP account, the accounts payables accountant would fill out um, bank instructions on paper 
and send the bank instructions to the bank so that the supplier could be paid. And in February, they introduced a fully digitalized process, which meant that in March, when everybody was sent home, the supplier invoices were able to be processed um, without somebody having to rent a U-Haul and take, you know, <laughs> boxes and boxes of um, approval forms and bank instruction forms home, which, you know, given the size of our apartments here in Germany would be a challenge anyway. As especially to the, the rent um, of within those cities where these German car manufacturers are. <laughs> um, so in, in the end, it's, it's always the same because like whoever you ask from which LOB, um, in the end, you, you come to that point where you say it's, it's again, not discussing when approaching digitalization about doing the same thing you did in the past, just a bit better, but really to talk about the things you were not able to do before. Yeah, things like you've told us here. And um, so you can like correct me if I'm wrong, but again, even also like with your topic, um, it's all about come together when you are in a certain kind of initiative like that. Look into your strategy on the from the one side, from the other side, look into the application, what kind of onboard benefits it can bring, what it is in for you and what the um, solution can bring for you instead of merely looking like um, we will continue working like we used to and maybe being a bit faster, but that's it more or less. Exactly. I, <laughs> These improvements <laughs> definitely build a more resilient process, right? And that's what we want companies uh, to have, to be able to manage not just this these challenging times, but who knows what's coming in five years, in 10 years. And any investments that are made today um, will help teams to, to approach those future challenges in a, in a more standard and yeah, um, compliant way. I think there's only one fault you could do. Think that it will be like in February, this will never happen again. Yeah, or just doing nothing. Or just doing nothing, yeah. Since we're already looking a bit forward, like, um, Let's presume we would not meet before like in two years, three years again, talking about this topic, which I, of course do not help. But let's imagine it will be just like in two to three years, not before. What kind of topics would we probably, we do something like glass bowl look, looking now, what kind of topics would we talk about then? Like what is the, the vision concerning the closing? So um, I think the clear vision is what we are doing today and to continue what we are doing today. So um, we would love to continue to work on this topic of continuous close and even go beyond this to maybe just first of all, we look at the continuous close. Um, What we need to do as a software provider is really that we first of all, increase our capabilities of prediction and simulation and extended over much more business and processes like we support today. And um, for sure, we need to look at the entire value chain. So um, like we have discussed before, um, there is not only as for HANA <laughs> finance, um, which is driving the business. There are a lot, there are a lot of um, other processes which also affect at the end the financial numbers. And this is really essential that we also take um, these processes in um, to account of the continuous close topic. So this is really, really essential. And then 
Um, talking about continuous close, we always should differentiate between the legal close and the managerial close. If we look at the legal close, I think also in three years, there will be a deadline every quarter when you have to publish your numbers. But in the managerial world, where you want to steer your company, you will always have um, the question for ad hoc reporting. And it will be key for a software to support this ad hoc reporting and with the best numbers you could provide at this time. Exactly. It's finance's role to give advice to the business. Uh, people are looking at business model changes. Uh, finance needs to be able to say, you know, this is what our results will look like in six months if we do this reorg or if we do this M&A or if we spin off this part of our business. Um, and for that, we need these continuous close information based on the entire S4 chain. Yeah, and you would love to have these numbers in different variances. So um, it will be so easy if you can look at the system and you can say, okay, if I change this in variance A, this and that will happen. If But if we do this with the merger, for example, then it could look like this, or there will be these decisions about um, should we produce it on our own or should we buy it externally? You could also then um, simulate um, these kind of decisions um, in the financial department and really advise the other departments about what might be um, the best way from a financial aspect. So it sounds like we are just like ankle deep into that ocean of possibilities. As a next part, we have to make this technology and these capabilities a standard and then grow on these standards and find out all the new possibilities and leverage these new possibilities that are lying in it concerning like decision support, simulation, and so on and so on. Absolutely. Also, we at SAP started a transformation journey of our software and we have to continue this journey. Yeah. And I'm not sure if it will ever end. Maybe not. Maybe we will always find not. opportunities to grow, hopefully. <laughs> The data scientists keep us busy. <laughs> <laughs> so looking at, at the time, um, when people who listen to you, um, which they probably did think that was very interesting and want to follow you, let's say on a social media platform or something like this, where can they do this best? Probably the best channel is via LinkedIn. Um, we're easy to find there and we'd welcome new connections. Absolutely. And from time to time, currently in a virtual format, but hopefully also <laughs> maybe next year in person, we are also joining a lot of finance conferences. And um, yeah, just talk to us that you have heard our podcast and we are happy to go also in the future in face-to-face -face discussions with you. Perfect. Connie, Katharina, it was very interesting for me. I learned a lot. I'm sure um, all the listeners did too. And um, I wish you a great day. Thanks for having us. Great to have had you. And um, I wish you all the best. Thank you very much. Thank you. It was really fun to answer your questions. Thanks for the time. <laughs> bye bye. Bye.